0: Yes, I do believe it's true. I do always show up. I've always had to show up, right? So part of it is um, how often have you put yourself in a difficult position in which you have had to make decisions and and just move forward? So because of my life and my upbringing and my work experience and all the things that I do, I'm, I'm good being in an uncomfortable situation. That's where most people struggle with being confident is when they're in a situation that they're, that's difficult or they're not comfortable with or they haven't been in that situation. before.
1: Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for, even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast. But what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Decided's Return podcast. Today, my guest is the one and only Nathan Salter. If you follow me on social media at bchristina, you know him as my funny husband. But today, I am flipping the script, and I am interviewing him. You are going to get to meet the work version of Nathan Salter. Over the past 25 years, Nathan has grown a company from a... Basically a two-man show to a $30 million plus company. And I know you guys are going to take away so many tips today, whether it's for business, mindset, confidence, all of the above. I've never met a more confident human being. You are going to get a cool look inside of a different version of Nathan. And I know you guys are going to walk away with so many key takeaways to growing and building success and confidence in your own life and business. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. Today, I have a guest with me. He is in my home. He happens to live here. He is my husband. You guys know him as Nathan from my social media, J and Salter1. If you want to follow him on IG, he is absolutely a boring follow. But once he's on my Instagram, he's funny as hell, and everyone loves him. And so I brought him back to the podcast today. But we are not going to talk about us. I am going to be interviewing him because this podcast and what I do is all about confidence and success. And when I think about confidence and success, there's really no one else that has the amount of confidence as my husband, Nathan. And so today I wanted to talk to him. You know, for those who may not know, he is the president of a very successful construction company, real estate development and he is confident in his hell. So today I wanted to talk about success tips, business tips, career stuff. I have a whole list of topics and conversations and this morning I told him, okay, these are some of the questions that I was gonna ask. And he was very nervous because he is a preparer, unlike myself. I like to wing most things. He would have liked um, two and a half weeks to get prepared for this. And then he did ask this morning, which was kind of hilarious. He goes, this is going to be edited, correct? So I just think that that's hilarious due to the fact that he can run a thirty-plus million-dollar business, and yet he's a little nervous for this, this morning's podcast. Good morning, babe.
0: Good morning, Christina.
1: Oh, are we going full names right now? Full names. When's the last time you've actually called me Christina?
0: um just right there
1: <laughs> pretty much that's about it you guys so this morning i am going to be kind of interviewing you babe i'm excited for this are you excited or are you nervous or both
0: so i'm nervous because you did not give me any time to prepare i like to be prepared
1: well you have had plenty of time i folded a whole load of laundry swept the floor you drank a cup of coffee and took a whole bunch of cheat sheet notes you guys i have never seen this many notes in my life for a podcast that I've, I, I've never written, I've written down like five sentences my whole life. This guy's got four and a half pages you've written in the last hour.
0: One, it wasn't an hour, it was like 20 minutes. And I only got half through your questions with my notes.
1: <laughs> well, if you do know me, he does call me an exaggerator. I have never once lied, but I am very much an exaggerator. That is 100% the truth
0: at least you're admitting it now.
1: (laughs) I'm admitting it because I'm not a liar. I'm an exaggerator for sure. So it may not have been a full hour of preparation time, but I think you'll be fine because this is your life. And you are honestly one of the most confident son of a bitches I know. And so like, let's start with that. How in the hell have you basically shown up for as long as I've known you as confident as you have I've known you for almost 19 years now and you've always been pretty damn confident how in the hell do you do that because we all want to know most guys are pretty confident but you're like next level confident
0: um I don't know how I really do it it's not like an intentional thing so I don't purposefully go wow let me act like I'm confident about something What I do do is work really hard. So I think that's the main thing, right? So I made a note and I said, confidence comes from um, basically being a master of whatever you're doing, right? So the more that you do something, the more comfortable you get with it, which is what allows you to be confident in whatever it is that you're wanting to do. So I just think it takes work and doing things over and over again and basically being a master in whatever it is that you're trying to do or whatever you're trying to accomplish. So You know, like this, uh, this morning when I didn't have really time to prepare, I didn't have time to work on something, I'm not going to come to the table being as confident as I would have if you would have actually given me the questions and a little bit of time to prepare. Then I would have been much more confident in coming to do this podcast this morning.
1: Do you not think that I told you last weekend when we fanned the podcast to go do something fun... That I, Because I told you last weekend, I said, babe, we have to record a podcast. I want to interview you. I want to do this podcast. We fanned it last week. So don't freaking tell me that you haven't had at least a week to prepare.
0: When did you give me the questions?
1: Babe, this is like winging it. Like, this is your life. You should be good at this. So seriously, so do you truly believe that all of your confidence comes from the fact that you're prepared? Because I don't think that that's actually true because I think that there's certain situations that you actually quite thrive in and you're willing to show up for, you know, I've said on this podcast many times that confidence is the willingness to show up. And I think overall, even in situations that make you nervous, you're always willing to show up. Do you believe that that's true?
0: Yes, I do believe it's true. I do always show up. I've always had to show up. Right. So part of it is, um, how often have you put yourself in a difficult position in which you have had to make decisions and, and just move forward? So at a very young age, I was managing people, working in a business. I was consistently put in situations through my entire life where most people wouldn't be in those situations. You've got to be in a spot where um, you're dealing with people, say, older than me, or people with more experience than me. But because I have the same last name as the, uh, as the business and I work for my father, then you automatically put yourself in a spot where, uh, you, you had authority, whether you were in a spot to really need it or deserve it or even have the experience, um, to have that. Because of my last name, I was put in a spot early on where I just had to figure things out and I had to manage people and I had to put myself in an uncomfortable situation. So you keep putting yourself in uncomfortable situations from a very young age over and over and over again. It's really hard to put myself in a situation today that I'm not going to be pretty confident in because I've done things over and over and over again that were really difficult. So I'm confident in myself because of my life and my upbringing and my work experience and all the things that I do, I'm, I'm good being in an uncomfortable situation. That's where most people struggle with being confident is when they're in a situation that they're that's difficult or they're not comfortable with, or they haven't been in that
1: situation before. Okay. So I think that's really kind of cool that you just said that because I actually believe that that's true. However, I also know that there has been You know, throughout the years, and people perhaps listening to this who can think of people who perhaps they did have the same last name, perhaps they did immediately be thrown into something. I can think of so many situations where. People have been thrown into a a company or thrown into a business type of situation and they haven't handled it the way you have. Shit, we know, we can probably think of 20 people right now that probably could have been thrown in the exact same situation as you that 100% handled it completely different. Perhaps they're a complete screw up or they didn't take the responsibility or they just said, screw that. That's my family's company. I want nothing to do with that. What is it about you that you were thrown in those situations at such a young age, having quote unquote the authority with like absolutely no background to be able to do it? Like, why did you step up? Because you are someone different. I know, I mean, crap, there's even family members that perhaps are in the same situation with you and they didn't show up the way that you did. So, why did you show up the way that you did?
0: Because I take, I guess I take things seriously and I feel like when you, um, or at the top and the buck kind of stops with you, wh- what else can you do? What's your other option? So in my situation, I didn't feel like I had another option. So it was either I handled it and I figured it out or it didn't get handled and figured out. So maybe people that you're talking about have um, the ability to, to, let's say, pawn it off on someone else to lay blame someone else. A uh, big thing about you know, confidence and management that I learned early on, and it, it was never put this way until a friend of mine, that's a COO of a large corporation, told me as I was trying to, um, I guess, use him as a mentor to help build my business and to add people. It's um, if you're going to give someone or if you're going to hold someone accountable for something, you have to give them the authority to handle it. So, if you really take on. That responsibility, and you're going to be responsible for something. And whoever your boss is gives you the authority to handle it. Um, that in itself should should give you the confidence if they are really behind you to do that. Maybe people that you're talking about second guess their decisions because they feel like you know a family member or a boss or someone's going to come around and either you know uh, I say cut your legs out from under you, undermine your decision, or maybe uh, you're scared to make that decision because of what will happen. Um, I was never really scared of those things. I just knew things had to get done and decisions had to be made. And if I made a mistake, I made a mistake, but I know you got to take action, um, at anything that you do. So take action and move forward and be willing to do it. I think, um, not making a decision is a decision. Um, and in my experience, not making a decision and, and kind of kicking the can usually, uh, costs me time or money or something negative.
1: You know, what, I think that's really good. So even if you are not a $30 million business owner, or whether you're just starting your business or not, and perhaps you're just started your business and you brought on some team, perhaps you brought on a virtual assistant or a person to work with you full time or an assistant in your shop or whatever it is. What Nathan said there, I think is very, very important. You can't expect someone to do something for you and then undermine them and tell them it's not right. So if I were to give my assistant a a task and ask her to do something, but then I don't give her the authority to implement that task afterwards, and guess what? It may not always be right the first time, and we may make some mistakes, but if I don't give her the authority with the responsibility that is probably not going to come out very well because she knows if she does something, I could come back to her and, you know, like Nathan said, kick... What did you say? Kick Kick the
0: can. Kick the can. Don't kick
1: the can. No, it's something about kicking the feet. You guys, everyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows that I am like the absolute fucking shit at analogies and something like kicking your legs out from underneath. What did you say? You said something. Knock knock your legs out
0: from underneath.
1: There we go. That's it. Kick your legs, knock (laughs) your legs, whatever. (laughs) I'm horrible at those, but I think it's true, right? So if I don't give someone, and this is, you know, a, a very good tip for you as well. So if you are asking someone to do something for you, you've got to be able to give them the authority and the responsibility to handle that task. So they know that, You're not going to kick their legs out from under them when you do get them that text. So I think that's really important to remember. I always want you guys to leave this podcast with some fantastic uh, takeaways. Nathan, you can't... You guys, he just doesn't even understand how to record a podcast. I know our editor can edit this, but he's like pointing at something in the air and making me lose train of thought. Babe, you can't do this. Like this is supposed to be super professional.
0: This is super professional. You had a spider coming down on your computer.
1: Well, if it wasn't coming down on me, it can come down on the computer. I mean, like, this is very, very important shit this morning. And now you're pointing in the air and I'm losing my train of thought. And I don't even know how to say kick cans or feet anyway. So come on, let's stay on task here. Don't worry about the spider on the computer, babe. Come on. This is so, so important this morning. Um, okay. So the confidence part. Uh Let's jump into like confidence, I think has a lot to do with, you know, willing to get your ass kicked and have your feet knocked out of you sometimes. What has been some of the biggest failures? Because I've always said on this podcast, there's no such thing as failing. You come into something, you learn many lessons and you can't quit when you fail. And you know, I've been with you for, gosh, it'll be 19 years at the end of this month. Is that not crazy? I don't, I barely look 29. I'm so confused right now, <laughs> but um, no, for reals though. So I've been with you a very long time and you have been in this business since how, what, how old were you when you really officially came into the business? What was that? 1999 or 2001?
0: No, like ninety six, ninety seven. 97. I forgot out
1: of college. You graduated that long? You guys, I'm so confused. He's that much older than me? What the fuck? Like, ugh, I don't know. We might be second guessing this. Anyway, so I've been with you a long time. You've been in the business a very long time. So over the years, I have seen some tremendous failures, but they're not really failures as long as you're taking uh, lessons from them and learning from them. What would you say is some of the biggest quote unquote failures that you've had to deal with over the years and what lessons have you learned from it?
0: I really don't necessarily like to talk about failure. That's one thing that I've learned and probably from you, I don't like to look at things as, or talk about things as failure. Cause you know, really um, they're just lessons and you just had to learn from them. So even though something didn't go the way that you wanted it to, as long as you're willing to learn from that and you know, not make that same mistake again, um, I don't necessarily know that it's a failure. Um, gosh i'll say one thing that my team has brought to me over the last couple of years that i have uh really needed to work on for some time that i didn't really know um but we've been working on our culture and it's interesting the more open and honest everyone is how you start getting feedback that you're like gosh why didn't someone tell me that a long time ago so what uh, what my team kind of uh called it or the way it was brought to me was um it's called you know progress over perfection so when are things going to be good enough? You know, when, when is my work going to be good enough? Um, for a long time, I didn't do a very good job of being positive or, or pointing out the positive things in my employees or even in the company. I was consistently kind of picking on, let's call it that 20%. So I'm sure we've all read about, or if you haven't, kind of the 80-20 rule. And I guess for a long time, I spent a whole lot of time picking on that 20% that wasn't exactly the way that I wanted it versus being positive about the other 80% of the things that we were doing. Good. I mean, I've got a great team. I've got good employees, uh, a successful business that's been around for a really long time. so. You know, ultimately, I would say I wish someone would have brought it to me, or I would have recognized it myself. And a long time ago, I wish I would have been more focused on, you know, the positive things and being more positive towards my employees and to- towards my team, uh, more so than focusing on that twenty percent.
1: So obviously, I think that comes from the fact that you grew up kind of getting pointed, the 20% was pointed at you, you know, whether it was your grandfather, your dad, or, you know, just in life, because that's the chain that they had, you know, it's not has like, you know, I absolutely adore your dad, but it was just what he knew, right? And I always think that, you know, we are no longer our parents' decisions. And sometimes we have to come in and break habits, break generational, quote unquote, generational curses, right? And so how could you have noticed that? Because I think that this is going to hit so hard for so many people, because perhaps you are a person who has grown up And whether it be from a parent, teacher, siblings, people around you, you've been told that, you know, people point out the 20% shit that you're doing. And that is the main focus. How do you think you could have figured that out earlier? Because you literally just didn't know that's what you grew up with. So how does a person stop that earlier on before your team had to tell you? Like, what would you have, what would you have done? differently? Or what can you do differently now? Or how are you able to pick out you know, the things that you have done that not necessarily you want to continue on with? And I think that's super important in life and business.
0: Well, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So it would be probably difficult for me to have just broken it on my own. So... I would say over the last few years, one big thing it has been, you know, reading books that are focused on business and getting better with business or that are really focused with uh, the type of industry that I'm in. So I think I read something the other day that said the the only way to live life without living it is through reading. So I would think the only way that I would have started to understand or see those things would be, you know, by beating... Reading business books, I've learned a lot um, through yPO or other peer groups where you're surrounding yourself with people that are you know also business people or maybe also living um, the same kind of problems or issues in business that you are um, but just like you said, it would have had to have come from either someone else or me reading something because you know honestly when my team brought that to me um it was like someone slapped me in the face. Like I had no idea. I had never thought about it that way. I had never looked at it that way. Uh, but after, you know, a couple of people, I've got people that work for for me for 20 plus years. And it's guys that I consider my, my friends and I work with every day. So, you know, obviously it was true. And for them to bring it to me, um, several of them at the same time, I don't know what was going on at the time. Obviously, I was You know, much, much worse uh, at that particular time, maybe that I'd been in the past. So when they brought that to me, it was, you know, it was eye opening and I really had no clue. So um, I would say one, I probably never would have figured it out on my own um, unless someone would have brought it to me or if uh, maybe one of my peers would have been going through some similar things, uh, but I would never have figured it out myself.
1: So I think that that is so key there because I think one of the things that a good coach does or you know even yourself you've brought in um you know business coaches what do you call them in the in the company consultant? Yeah, that's right. Business consultants. You brought in business consultants and I think that a coach or a consultant or something that gives you the external perspective. That's what I say I help my clients with oftentimes is the external perspective the external perspective, because when you are in it, it is so hard to see it. You know, if you're a parent or something and you're in the middle of like a horrible season with your kids, it's so hard to get the external perspective to know that like how to handle it differently or that it will pass because when you're in it, it's so hard. Right. And so I think that that is so crucial to stopping these things faster is to get the external perspective because the minute you were, and I'm sure that this is true, the minute they pointed it out, I'm sure you're like, you know, it's a slap in the face because you're like, holy shit. Yes. I'm obviously continuing this on because this is what was done to me for so many years. I had always been, you know, people had around me had always focused on the 20% that I was doing wrong. So that's like what you continued. And so I do think that whether he found out from people, and I think it's amazing that, you know, he had created an environment so his team and his employees could come to him and say, Hey, you're only focusing on the 20%. But I also think too, that like bringing in, you know, a consultant or having a coach or whatever to give you the external perspective could have, you know, prevented you from going so many years within this company, you know, 20 something plus years now in this company for you to go, holy shit, I wish I would have changed this earlier. Because now that you have started focusing more on the 80%, how has things culturally changed within the company?
0: So in the last three years, we have taken on a lot of things um, culturally, just a dramatic shift um, in how we approach things um, from, you know, creating our core values um, into establishing a mission statement. Um, Gosh, I think we were in Thailand and I read a book called Traction. Um, and I immediately said, this is the best book that I've ever read. It actually gave action items and specific things to do, um, in order to help your business. Um, it was, you know, things that i would had in my mind for 20 years that were kind of all put down in a manner in which you could follow it. And so immediately, I guess that's been almost three years ago now. Um, as soon as we got back, I started implementing those things. So I think creating core values, um, a mission statement giving all of our employees something to we call it something to live by um, so if you got your core values and you know what you're working towards that went a long way um, something that was really really simple that took me a long time to implement as we start all of our meetings off by going over the core values and then i say i call it a win um, and we kind of go we, we go around the room and i require everyone to give one win um, either about themselves uh, one big thing is uh, sometimes I require everyone to say, give give one win about someone else in the room. So say something positive about the person that's sitting next to you or the person that's on your team. Um, and just those simple things have over the last three or four years uh, dramatically changed everything that we do in our business by just being more intentional about the positive, starting meetings off in a positive way. Um, and then, you know, when you have to dig into the negative or the things that you need to approve on, um, you've really started with something positive.
1: Yeah, I think that's so, so good. And I actually recommend this traction book to a lot of my clients, even the ones who are just a solo entrepreneurs, perhaps you're in the beginning of your business. And my elite mastermind girls this year, everyone has the book, we've gone through it, we've created mission statements and core values. I have that for my company. And I want people who work for me to know what their core values are as well. So we can respect them and know what people stand for. I also know too, that in in my masterminds we always celebrate wins you know i actually in my uh, women's mastermind both of my masterminds my decided your turn mastermind and the elite decided its your turn business mastermind Every week, uh, we have a spreadsheet that we list our wins for the week. I call it high vibe wins for the week. And I think it's so crucial because oftentimes, especially like when you're growing a business or in the beginning of your business, again, you're so in it that you don't have the external perspective and it's what you focus on, you find. So Nathan having his team and his company set up these core values, know the mission statement, know everything that their company stands for, their core beliefs. And celebrating the wins is massive. So if you have never seen that book, I think it's a fantastic book, whether you're beginning business or you own a $30 million company, whatever it is, make sure to know what those things are, what you stand for and what you believe in and celebrate even the smallest wins week after week and having your team engage in that. That's massively important. I think it's so, so true. Um, One of the biggest, you know, things that have come over the last year and I hope, or the last few years, and I hope you don't mind me digging in it with you, is you were in one of the biggest kind of shit storms of your whole entire life. Uh, You know, I don't even know how many years ago it ended. It seemed like that you were in it for years. You were in a pretty big lawsuit for so many years. And that was probably one of the most trying times of our marriage and of your personal life. And I will say that I now know On the other side of it, you ended up coming out victoriously. Um, You know, it it, it was like, what, six or seven years? Yeah, the lawsuit was seven years. A seven-year lawsuit we were in. And you guys, I will tell you, I was beside this man the whole entire time. And it was probably one of the most difficult personally and professionally times of his life. You know, in the beginning of our relationship... I was in the beginning of my transition from, you know, not feeling fulfilled and knowing who I am and even really truly wanting to live and just being in a really bad spot. And I kind of got myself to a a spot where I was kind of thriving. And then right after that, shortly after that is when this lawsuit, the seven year lawsuit that most people don't even know that Nathan went through, um, you know, it was a business lawsuit. It was very going to be extremely detrimental to our lives and our future. But I also know too, that even though it was one of the most trying seven years of our life, it's probably been one of the biggest blessings because you grew so much during that time. So I'd love if you don't mind to kind of touch on a few things that for you were, you know, obviously hard things and some of the biggest lessons that came out of that. And you can kind of go wherever you want to go. But I do think that it's important for us to touch on the fact that When you are growing a successful business, when you are running a a company of any sort, you are going to go through such trying times, you guys. There has been some hard times in my business. And there's definitely been some hard times in his business. And when you are going from zero to 100, and you have these hard things happen, you have to have like, you know, I call it grit, you have to be willing to kind of figure out how to get through it. And you did that and you grew so much. So if you want to just touch on a few of the the things that allowed you to not give up during that seven year season, which was so hard, I think a lot of people could take a lot from it.
0: Again, I'll go back to quitting or giving up is not an option, right? So when quitting or not giving up is not an option, everything else is an option. I don't remember who said that, but somebody said that. And I think, yeah, Jamie Johnson said that one time and, uh, it's something I say and use and think about quite often. So, um, quitting or giving up was never, uh, never even crossed my mind. It never does cross my mind. So being that that was not an option, it was just something that we had to, uh, I had to dig in and figure out. I was the one who was selected to represent the company. I was the one who was kind of at the forefront of that project in the beginning. Um, You know, a couple of things I uh, learned. One, I actually just came across a similar situation in the past couple of weeks. There was a a job that we'd worked really hard on and it invested a lot of money in and it kind of started going sideways in the negotiations and... Um, in the past, I probably would have continued to push to figure out how to make something work, even though I was getting some red flags that uh show that I shouldn't so one thing is sometimes the the best jobs that you can get are the ones that you don't get um so sometimes you need to recognize maybe you're better off without something or not doing something. so I definitely learned that uh if I could have backed up, maybe I shouldn't even have been in the position I was in anyway. You know, when you start in business, having a having a good team and a solid team that you can count on, and you know that goes back to business basics. You know, a, a good attorney that is specific to your industry, um, and including him in those things. Uh, I've learned now to make sure my construction attorney is involved in the very beginning of a project to help make sure we have proper documentation and the contracts are written correctly, and uh, we have things that are set up right so that if there are problems. Um, my attorney can more uh, easily defend us. So uh, I learned that, you know, getting things started off in the right spot, setting things up right correctly, uh engaging your team from the beginning. I do that on every single project now. Uh, we review those contracts and those doc- documents a minimum of one year. So may not have been in that lawsuit or in that situation. Maybe if we would have done a better job uh, with our contract negotiations on the front end.
1: I just want to jump in there, because perhaps someone who's listening to this podcast, perhaps they have a bigger business than you, but perhaps they have a smaller business. How do you know in your personal opinion, how do you know whether to take something on or not take something on? because I think that that is a question that is really, really important because I know starting the beginning of your business, sometimes you are always in a position where you know, you, you feel like you always have to say yes. And I heard Chris Harder say one time, you earn the right to say no. In the beginning, and Jesse Itzler has said that as well. In the beginning of his career, when he was launching all of his stuff, he said yes and of course to everything. Whether it was a 6am meeting or a 12am party, he said yes to everything. And he said he has earned the right to be able to say no. But I do think in the you know, even for myself, knowing... I think there's probably only been a couple of times in life but or in my career that I feel like I was like, this client is not for me. And I knew that I had to say no, even in the beginning when it was perhaps like, crap, I need that that income, or I really think that this would be a great opportunity, but I knew in my, in myself that it was the wrong opportunity. So, and I had to trust myself in that. And I thank God every day that I've always said no to things that I knew were out of alignment. But how do you do that? How do you believe you do that in the beginning of business when you need work? And you know, in the construction industry, what I've learned over the years, it doesn't matter how fucking big the construction industry is, you have two phases holy shit, I have no work. And oh my god, I have too much work. There's absolutely zero middle ground. You guys, I'm telling you right now, construction industry is holy fuck, we're screwed to holy fuck, we're screwed. We don't know what we don't have enough. And holy fuck, we're screwed. We have so too much. There is absolutely like it goes from zero to 1 million. And there's not like any middle ground, let me tell you that. But how do you say no to something even in the beginning? Now, you know, where you've kind of earned the right to be able to say no. And I I heard you say one time and I think it's so funny, you're like, I no longer have to pay to learn these hard lessons. I have paid enough money to learn these hard lessons, you know, getting your ass kicked a few times and you know, making no money or you know, having You've underbid something. You've actually had to pay to do work. But how do you do that in the beginning? What would you tell someone in the beginning, like when they're like, "Crap, I need this work," and I know that you've been through this a million times.
0: So it's funny that you asked that as we were going through and establishing our company's core values. And you go and you um, read uh, traction. One of the questions that um, you answer, and, and we did this as a as a C level in our company. Who is your ideal client? Um, and I think if you're a new business owner, you're starting your own business, I think that's a question that you need to ask yourself. And what we agreed to was, um, you know, our ideal client or a client we want to work with, their their core values have to be in line with core values of our company. So if I look back to that particular instance, or even the instance that I've been in in the last couple of weeks, if I really look at the core values of the, the person or the company or whatever that is... If their core values aren't in line with those of your company, then you got to be okay with just letting it go and move on and, and put your attention somewhere else. Because you know, really, I mean, some of these projects that we do could last you know two years. Um, and if you if you're in question about the core values of the the client before you ever even start work, um, it's probably one of those you need to run from and realize it's a uh, you know maybe one of your best jobs or maybe you're one of your best clients ever. Are the ones that you didn't get.
1: Oh my God! Can you tell why I love him so much, you guys? That's it. That's so it, and. He has trust that the next opportunity will come. You know, I truly do believe that. Like I believe that to my core when I am able to say no to something that does not make sense. If I ever think about taking on a client where I have to speak to them either every single day or every single week or biweekly, and I think, Oh gosh, I really don't want to do that. Then I have to say no and trust that the next opportunity is going to be there. You have to trust yourself. You have to know that you cannot go out of alignment. And I think that that is so true and I'm just so proud of him and what he believes and what I believe for sure. I think that that's so important. Are you one of the many people each month that tell me they can't find a tribe of like-minded people who are ready to decide it's their turn? If so, I have the Absolute solution for you. It's the Decide It's Your Turn Network, a tribe of like minded, high vibe humans who are ready to thrive in life and business. It's a community off social media in its own private app where I come in and teach twice a month live, taking your questions, connecting you with amazing humans from around the globe all for less than $100 a month. The Decide It's Your Turn Network. You guys check out the show notes, find the link, christinalecure.com forward slash network. So going back to the lawsuit, like what's another lesson you learned during that time?
0: I had to learn to, to some extent, be a, be an attorney and I know a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't worry about it. And I know in one breath, I say to count on my team, but it also taught me that nobody is going to take care of you the way that you take care of yourself. So uh, there was a lot of things that I dug into and read and research that I did on my own and documentation that I went through uh, in order to help support uh, my legal team. So I think it's important not to, um, you know, be, be afraid of it or be scared of it. I think. The amount of time I spent over seven years, I probably could have earned a law degree. Uh, honestly, in the amount that I learned and read, and things that I documented, so uh, I think as a business owner of any size, um, you you got to be able to put on uh, the hat of you know legally defending yourself and know a little bit about the law, know a little bit about finance, accounting, um, you know the lending and banking business, and also about insurance. So I think it, all, all those things came into play throughout the course of that lawsuit. So I think to be a successful business person, yes, you need a good team, but you also have to uh, be willing to educate yourself and not rely solely on your consultants. Use them as consultants. But again, no, no one's going to take care of or uh, care about your business as much as you do.
1: I love it. It's so, so true. You guys, Google is a school. You can use it. One of my greatest clients in golf, he is actually a billionaire. And he said, I went to the school. I went to uh, Stanford. Yeah. He bought a book at Stanford library and he used Google for the rest. Like I'm telling you, you can Google your way to everything. And I think it's really, really important to know that no one is going to work harder for you than you. And that's okay. Because guess what? I, you know, I actually am thinking about a client I've had this conversation with, she's a small business owner and some of her employees are like, 15, 16, 17 years old. And you can't be mad at those people when they actually don't care as much as you. They're not supposed to. They're 16 years old. And I don't care what industry that you're in. I absolutely love my team. I am so grateful for them. But it's not their business. They're not going to work as hard for me as I am going to work for me. And that can be okay. You should just know that. So Nathan knew that, yes, he has amazing employees. He has great representation, all of the things. But he also knew that his house was being sued for multiple, multiple, multiple millions of dollars over the course of seven years. And he needed to get his shit together and figure out how not to lose that, how not to lose everything. So when he was able to basically figure out things that his, you know, $500 an hour attorneys were not able to figure out, it's because he's working harder for himself than anyone would ever work for him. And I think that that's Really helpful for you to realize too, especially perhaps in the beginning of your business or in the middle of your business or you're scaling your business or whatever it is. It is okay to know that no one is going to work harder for you than you. And you sure want to work hard. Like you have some of the benefits. Nathan has some of the benefits that come from being the president of a $30 million company. He's able to do things that not everyone in the company is able to do. But on the flip side, he also has to know that he has to take some of the biggest responsibility in the company too, because guess what? It's his company. He has to know that. So I think it's really, really important. Okay. One last um, amazing takeaway from getting your ass pounded for seven years in a lawsuit. Is there one last takeaway from that before we switch topics?
0: not to be negative i guess but at the end of the day um even when you win in most legal battles you don't win so uh my the way in which i approach legal situations today is much much different because i can't get back uh literally 7 years of my life where what i, I was working almost every single weekend for probably 3 or 4 of those years playing attorney I think naturally we want to fight and, and we think that we're right. And we, you know, I guess our culture, let's call it these days is to let's get attorneys involved and let's call attorneys and let's do let's let's have this big fight. Um And what I've learned from that is even if you win a legal battle, you don't really win. So we were awarded uh, a lot of money that we'll never receive. Uh We threw a lot of, of good money in a bad situation. So we had to spend a lot of money to Uh, defend ourself. Um, But but these days, depending on the size of the problem, uh, I approach it a whole lot differently. Um, Sometimes, uh, well, really all the time, I'm probably more willing to approach a situation hat in hand, um, even if I know that I'm right, uh, just because a legal battle needs to be the the last uh, option, not the first option uh, in business when you have a problem. And, you know, Take that for me. I promise you. Seven seven years later, even though I got a piece of paper that says I won something, I definitely didn't feel like I won anything. I was glad for it to be over, but it was not a. Uh, it was definitely not a real win once it was all said and done.
1: Is there anything personally that came out of that lawsuit that you can say that you learned or you're super proud of? Like, is there one personal takeaway from that that you think was needed?
0: I guess personally, um, I realized that I can figure it out, even though uh, I didn't know anything about really the legal system or what was going on, um, that if I just roll my sleeves up and utilize Google and read and take the time to figure things out um, and and honestly just do the right thing, keep doing the right thing, even though it's hard uh, and you're scared as hell that you're going to lose everything, just just do, do the right thing. and. Stick with it and don't quit and don't give up and don't compromise Um, at the end of the day, even if it's seven years later or 10 years later or whatever that is, uh, just be confident that that whatever's right or whatever's going to happen is going to
1: happen. Switching total gears here, do you believe that you have balance in your career and your personal life? And do you believe that that is even possible? Because I'm thinking going back to that, Crazy ass seven years and the life that we now have and the life that we had before and during. Do you believe that you have like balance in your personal and professional life? And do you have any regrets on that? Because you have, you know, dedicated a vast majority of your life to your business.
0: So I've said before, um, I think on one of your podcasts, that no, I don't... It depends on what your definition of balance is. Let me rephrase that. I think uh, most people's idea of balance and what that is, no, I don't believe in that. I believe your work and your life and everything that you do, they all have to coexist. Um, And I read something not too long ago. Maybe it's one, a book that I'm reading now, and it talks about balance being the ability to uh, invest more time in certain areas of your life when it's needed. But knowing once that time is over, you can move back and focus more time somewhere else. So when people say balance, I think it's almost put as a division of well, my work life's over here and my personal life is over here. I don't believe in that. I've never believed in that. I've grown up in family business my entire life. I've listened to uh, my mom say many times with me and my dad and my brothers, why do you always talk about work? This is family business or this is family dinner. I mean, I lived that my whole life, but you know, if you're if your work and your family is all kind of the same and it's okay for those things to happen, I think. I think, quote, not being balanced is fine. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Um, I will say in the last few months, uh, I had a close friend from high school pass away. Um, And it has made me reflect on some of the time over the last 20 years that I probably should have gravitated or taken more time to spend with, you know, friends or other people in my life that I have chosen to... um not gravitate towards and invest more time in my business, um but I think you know even though um that has happened, I think I've learned from that, and I think there's an opportunity for me to uh take some time going forward and and gravitate more towards my my friends and my family and 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 you and I and the things that we do, so no, I don't really believe in what I would say is the quintessential definition of balance I think that there's a lot of truth in you know, it all needs to work together and, um, you and your family need to be okay with sometimes certain aspects of your life are going to take more time than others. And, you know, maybe it's just a season or maybe it's like me, it's been, you know, 20 years. and, And now that I'm realizing I need to take more time to focus on something else in my life besides just my business.
1: If you could go back to yourself, um, before that lawsuit happened, and even even way before the lawsuit, if you could go back to yourself when you first started in this company in ninety six like dude, do you know how many years that is? That's like a lot like I'm not good with math, but I'm gonna say that's close to twenty five years. Holy pearl, okay, so if you could go back to yourself twenty five years ago when you started in this company, is there anything that you would tell yourself back then that would have been? helpful to create more balance over the last 25 years? Or is there something that you would have told yourself that would probably have taken off some of the The nights of uh, crying yourself to sleep or not, not even crying yourself to sleep, but just the restless, sleepless nights. Is there anything that you would have told yourself, a couple of things that you would have told yourself back then, 25 years ago, that perhaps someone in the beginning starting their business and, you know, wants it to be a 25 plus year successful business. Is there something that you would have told yourself or you would have, you would tell someone beginning, starting out?
0: Botraction, traction, read it and follow it set up your business correctly on the front end. Um, I I call it a dictatorship, right? So uh, early on, the way my father always ran a business and and the path that I was headed down was not really a business, it was a dictatorship. It was uh, one person at the top telling everyone else what to do. Um, And that is not sustainable. You cannot scale a dictatorship. You need to take the time on the front end and spend the money on the front end to um, establish core values, uh, know clearly where your company's headed, uh, what's important and what's not important, um, go ahead and set up, uh, an organizational chart, uh, which is crazy to think a company of our size that has been in business for as long as it has. Uh, we had, you know, a hierarchy, but it was very loose. It was not something that was written down. It was not something that was clearly communicated to, uh, our employees, um, so get those people in place. Uh, even if you don't, even if you're a, uh, if it's just one person now, you can still, you know, lay that out and design that it's something that can change, but at least you have it in your head and it's a goal. I've got uh, a lot of open spaces on our organizational chart that I know in the future that I'm going to fill. Um, and that gives you some clear direction. Um, and then, You know, if you're going to have your employees be accountable for something, you've got to give them the authority and you've got to trust them and you've got to let them make mistakes. Uh, And for a long time, that was very difficult for me to, um, even if you have good people and you trust them, allow them to do their jobs, give them the authority, uh, hold them accountable to those things, but also be uh, understanding of or pay attention to that 80-20 rule um, and praise them for the 80% that hopefully they are doing correct. Um, and I'm not saying don't hold them accountable for that other 20%. They need to be held accountable. We all do. But spend more time uh, being positive about things than you are being negative about things. And I feel like uh, if I would have done that you know, 25 years ago, there's no telling uh, where our business would be today because it's its uh culture has changed dramatically the attitudes of our people have changed dramatically. We're all rowing in the right direction now. we have some pretty lofty goals uh, set out ahead of not just me it's not it's not me any longer. We actually have a, a company and employees that are on board with a vision that we've laid out so um, it'll make it more fun. it'll take some stress off of uh, you as a business owner um, it'll also make it more enjoyable for your employees.
1: Is there anything personally you would have told yourself, something personally that you would have told yourself that would have made a dramatic difference over the last 25 years?
0: Not to worry so much, uh, be more faithful um, in that things are going to work out, um, not try and be so controlling, um, and take more time for yourself and be okay to uh, to just leave it alone.
1: To leave the business alone?
0: Yeah, leave it alone. Um, You tell me all the time, just because I'm not there for half a day, it's not going to fall apart or um, the business is not going to fail because, you know, I leave early on a Friday afternoon.
1: You know what? And I think that that's so important to talk about because I actually truly believe that whether it is a business of one or a business of 101, I truly do believe that when you have enough confidence in yourself and you have enough belief in yourself, you can know that you will always figure it out. And I think that that's one of the things over the last, you know, 10, 12 years of working on myself and gaining the confidence and the success that I've had and the mindset that I have is that I know truly no matter what, I'll always figure it out. And I think that you have that belief as well. And I think that when you can train yourself and you can train your mind and you know that you can do hard things and you know that like, no matter what, giving up is not an option and you can create anything that you want. You know that like, if you do step away and fully step away, that you will always figure it out. It'll always be there. And I think that like, that may be one of the greatest quote unquote secrets that there possibly is. I think that like when you know that you will always figure it out, like you could leave for five days and the world is not gonna come down. And I think it's really incredible. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, You were fully out of the office for more than seven business days. And I cannot tell you the last time that you've done that. Maybe at Christmas one time, but Christmas is kind of like one of those flaky times anyways in companies around that time because everyone's kind of flaking off. But you took seven full days out of the office and I'll promise you, I have never seen that in the last, you know, 19 years that we've been together. And I think that you understood that like coming back into it, you had a different mindset. I do think it's exciting that you were so ready to get back. Like I am the person on vacation that goes away for four days and I am the person 100% 100 that will tell you I'm always ready to come home because I actually like my real life. And I think that that's one of the success secrets as well is to actually like what you get to do but you came back and sure as shit everything was still there and i think you know maybe 10 15 years ago you couldn't have done that
0: uh no i think a lot of it has to do with where we are as a company with you know our team and our organizational charts and everybody mm-hmm. having a clearer understanding of what their job is um also think it's a change in in your mind and your mindset. So I think those things go hand in hand. Just like I said, when we started, if I have a plan, if I've pre- prepared for things that I'm more confident and more comfortable in. So I think laying out that plan within the company also from a mindset standpoint allows me to be more comfortable in, in not being there. And everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And I'm confident that everyone understands that. And it's just a it's just a difference in mind, mindset and, and business uh, strategy and structure from a, let's say, a dictatorship to uh, actually a business.
1: What do you think? Kind of the last couple of questions here. This is a very serious podcast today. I feel like we've been very businessy the last few minutes, but I know people are going to take a ton of things away from this. But what do you think is one of your um, biggest strengths when it comes? to being a boss? What do you think you do extremely well? And what is the one thing that you think that you're probably pretty shitty at and you still need to work on?
0: I think uh, as a boss, a good thing that I probably learned from my grandfather, who was also a business owner, is uh, I set a good example. Um, Typically, the the first one there, the last one to leave, I put in the time. Uh, I don't ask people to do things that I'm not willing to do. So uh, in the construction industry, I am, it still doesn't bother me to get my hands dirty or get on my knees and hold a tape measure or pop a line or whatever I need to do. I, I always am willing to jump in with anyone in our company, whether it's from our accounting staff to, uh, let's just say some of our uh, foremen or even some of our trades guys who are erecting buildings. When I go out on a job, I, try and always, you know, if there's trash on the ground, I'm the one who's going to pick it up. Hey, let's keep this site clean. Or if I can hold the other end of the tape or, you know, hold a board or, you know, jump on the the equipment and help out. I I always want to set that kind of example for my employees that, you know, I'm here, I'm here to help, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to physically be there. I'm going to be available and I'm always going to be willing to, to help whether it's, you know, pick up a piece of trash on the job site or sit down with someone in my accounting staff and go over a financial report. So I think that's something that is important is setting that example. Uh, What I'm not good at and I'm I'm working on, actually, our business consultant gave me a book called Finish. Um, So what I'm intentionally working on now is the whole progress versus perfection. Uh, And I'm not in a lot of different areas, not just you know how I interact with my employees, but really how I look at myself um, and how I can need to learn to be OK with myself if things aren't perfect, because that's what really holds the business back from growing. So I think there's an opportunity there for me to ease up a little bit, which will in turn uh, allow my employees to do their job and will also let the business grow.
1: Okay, last but not least, I think this is kind of funny. Do you think it's amazing that um, most of your employees um, now follow me on Instagram just to watch you? (laughs) Really?
0: (laughs) Actually, I do think it's funny, and I actually think that it's good, and you told me that. Kind of like the rest of the podcast has been so far, I am a pretty serious, pretty, like, you know... Cross the T dot the I guy Um, in my quote work mode is what you call it. But outside of that, I think I really like to have a good time and can actually be pretty funny. And I think a lot of your followers, period, follow you just to watch me.
1: That's 100% the truth. You guys, I couldn't end on so serious. You guys know Nathan as it's so interesting. He's like a Jekyll and Hyde, but not in a bad way. Like that is just the way he shows up at work. And for so many years, you guys, I remember a story. It was like, it was yesterday. I had bought Nathan like early when we were dating and trying to impress each other. I had bought Nathan like this rap CD. Do you remember the name of the CD? Like you guys, this was back when CDs were even a thing. Remember when I bought you that CD? I came to you your office and dropped it off. Do you remember that? Oh my God, you guys—he doesn't even remember that.
0: I'm sure it was Jay Z.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was Jay Z. But I brought him a rap CD that he really had wanted, and I put it on his desk or whatever. And I remember that like one of his employees, who I think is still employed there to this day, was like, "You've got to be shitting me." He listens to rap. I was like, "Um, yes." He like literally wants to die and come back as Jay Z. Are you kidding me? Yes, this is like a hundred percent my husband, and that was way before social media. So I think it's super interesting now how so many people get in his in his office. Follow me because they get to see the version of Nathan that I know. Like there is Nathan at work who's like hard ass, and like I've even said to him, I'm like I do not even want to talk to you because your work version right now is like really hard, and that's what you guys have probably heard from on this podcast today. He's very serious. He's very business. He's very like work mode Nathan. But then you see him on my social media now and he is funny as hell. And so I'm so, so blessed and grateful that I have brought you on my social media in the last few years because people now, especially even at your office and people like you even grew up with, get to see you as the Nathan that I know. And I love the serious Nathan. I love the business Nathan because that is the Nathan who has... Uh, Created the lifestyle that we have, and I'm super blessed and grateful for that. And I know that that version of you is the person who has created a $30 million company and will make it a $300 million company, I'm sure. Um, It's a version of you that I do love, but I also love the version of you who's, you know, an absolute, (laughs) absolute fool on social media and is so funny. So, um, thanks for coming on the podcast today and uh, being the business version of Nathan. If you guys want to hear the not-so-business version of Nathan, you guys can come obviously follow me on social media at Christina. Tell us what you want to hear from the two of us together. Maybe it is a little bit more business serious, Nathan. Maybe we dive into real estate investing. Maybe we dive into all sorts of business type stuff, or if there's anything personal that you guys want us to dive into, we are more than happy to do that. Um, did you like doing the podcast this morning with me, Sneak?
0: Yes, honey, I, mean, I enjoyed doing the podcast with you this morning. So what I have learned is that um, at some point in time in your life or your career, you have to read an entire book to get one thing. So listen to all of Christina's podcasts, even if you only get one thing out of each one of them, it's worth your time.
1: Oh my God, you just promoted me and I never even asked for that. What are you trying to get out of this? Oh, I know what you want. You want a little kiss. Thank you for being here today. I hope you guys love this. If you did get something out of this and you think that someone needs to hear it, I would be so, so appreciative if you shared it on your social media. Tag me, tag JN Salter one and he will see it because he is on Instagram, even though he never posts. But if you want to see him, you come see me over on Instagram. Thank you guys. And never forget, you too can always decide it is your turn.